Hi, we're the Salvation Army officers for Basingstoke. Uh, we moved here nearly a year ago, which seems ridiculous. I'm sure it's only two minutes, but hey-ho, uh, time flies. Um, uh, we, we were appointed here from uh, Oldham, where we were for the previous eight years, in the uh, most deprived uh, town in the United Kingdom, at least for quite a lot of the time that we were there. Uh, and we moved to Basingstoke. So your prayers for us as we are still really beginning to acclimatize to a very different culture in which to serve God. Mm. Uh, We'd also appreciate your prayers for the Salvation Army as a whole at the moment, because literally, as we speak, gathered our 122 yeah. of our worldwide territorial leaders to elect our new worldwide leader for the next five years. And that really, really, I, I feel more than ever, actually, that this next five years, we so need God to be in that decision, mm -hmm. because there is so much that we need to navigate through over this next five years, and we need that to be someone who is so attuned to where God is at and what God's heart is uh, for the Salvation Army. And it was interesting to have that reading um, from Revelation, because at the farewell to our former general and at the welcome to the high council, which is what they call the body of people that elect our general, um, they gather the prayers of the people golden into golden bowls <laughs> and offer them to the Lord. Um, so we do encourage you to this week, we should know by the end of this week uh, who our next worldwide leader is. And, uh, and that could be really... and then. But please don't stop praying for us either. Because once we've elected the worldwide leader, he then turns around and goes, I need a chief of staff. And nicks somebody else. And by the time we finish that, there's probably two vacancies around the world for territorial leaders. And so on and so on and so on. So it really is a crucial month as people are moved and uh, reappointed, so we do encourage your prayers. And prayer is our theme for this evening too. Um, Sarah and I have been married 25 years. We've got two boys. Uh, Samuel, who is currently at Huddersfield University, until next Sunday when we go and pick him up, having completed his first year. And Ben is at Beacott doing uh, games design and uh, computer animation. Um, so uh, very interesting, different uh, careers. Um, and we've been Salvation Army officers very nearly nine years. Yeah. But for both of us, we've had a very ecumenical upbringing. We both were Methodists when we, uh, when we, as we grew up. I was a Methodist local preacher. And we met at Methodist Conference. We got engaged at Methodist Conference. And we didn't get married at Methodist Conference. <laughs> yeah. By five votes. If... There were two guys up for president of conference, and if the other one had got in, we were going to ask him if we might have been married at Methodist conference, but we didn't know the other guy at all, so we didn't. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's enough, isn't it? So I'll shut up and sit down. Probably. Okay. <laughs> Do the clicker bit. 
Can I, can I pray for you guys? Since you've asked us so many times, I think, you know, probably bad if we didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Father God, I want to uh, ask you uh, tonight to bless Jonathan and Sarah as they, uh, as they bring this topic of prayer, this, uh, you know, this lifeline that we need of communicating with you. Lord, I ask that uh, as they're used to preaching to uh, and teaching northern people, uh, that they would, uh, you know, they would have adapted quickly to us tonight. Um, and, yeah, that you would just bless them uh, and bless us uh, with ears to hear. Uh, and Lord, for this uh, this big old meeting going on as well, Lord, yeah, we just uh, this time of change, uh, both locally here and and also just on the national and international scale. God, we just want Your hand to be on that. Uh, we agree that yeah, th th these times are times where You are needed more than ever, and we just want to see You uh, ruling and reigning in those places. Amen. So Jonathan is my wingman this evening. He's going to help me out with some uh, verses of scripture, and he's got control of the PowerPoint, which I'm not sure that was a good thing. Yeah, brave, definitely brave. Um, it's great to have shared in worship with you all, and we want to thank you, first of all, for the invitation to come and join you. Um, when Gary spoke to us about coming to join you, he said, just go with whatever's on your heart. The thing that is always on my heart is how we equip people with their spiritual toolbox to help in their journey of discipleship, to go deeper, to be better at being disciples of Christ. And one of the things I want to share with you this evening is something that we had added to our toolbox about 10 years ago when we were at training college. I don't know if you find it hard to pray, if you've ever found it really hard to pray. Maybe you've said that you, you just can't do it like your friend does or the person you sit next to at church does and you've just wished that you found prayer easier or that somebody would just show you how to do it. Well hopefully this evening what I'm going to share with you may just help you if you struggle in your prayer life. There's a book that you may well have come across called uh, Personality and Prayer, written by Ruth Falk. Um, and her teaching has been taken on by uh, Lyndall Bywater, who works for the Salvation Army in the Spiritual Life Development Team and the National Prayer Team. And they together describe four main prayer styles and suggest that each of us fits into or feels most comfortable in one of these prayer styles. Once we understand the way in which we pray and what suits us, what works for us, we can actually become freer in our prayer. We're able to use prayer more effectively in growing and moving forward in our relationship with God. But knowing our preferred method of prayer means that we can also stretch ourselves and explore the benefits of other styles of prayer as well. So, first slide, please. Oh. <laughs> first slide, please. <laughs> oh, it's going well. There we go. Okay, so I want to introduce you to four styles of prayer. The first one is the sunbather. I don't know what kind of a holiday you enjoy. Maybe it's a holiday exploring new places, or maybe it's a quiet time in the country, a walking or activity holiday, or just one of those nice lazy holidays on the beach or by the pool. 
Whatever kind of holiday suits you, I'm sure you will all have observed the sunbather. They're often first up in the morning and go out by the pool and assess the layout of the sun loungers, probably with towel tucked firmly under their arm, ready to save the best spot. They will arrive at the sun lounger after an early breakfast and they will arrive with their bag with everything that they need in it, their headphones for their music, a book or three, and then, of course, snacks and sun cream. They get themselves comfy and they stay there all day. <laughs> when it comes to prayer, the sunbather finds prayer a restful experience. And for them, it's all about being in the presence of God in such a way as to know him deeply and personally. Prayer needs to be reflective for the sunbather to allow them to absorb the goodness of God. It's not about accomplishing a task. The sunbather prefers to shut out the world and explore their own inner world where pictures and images in the mind direct and draw them towards God. They don't like to be rushed. They're happy to spend hours and hours in reflection. They can find difficulty praying, though, if they start praying for other people first. Not that they don't pray for other people, but what they like to happen is more of a picture or the name of a person come to mind as they explore what's going on in their mind with God. Prayer in this style allows time for a more personal relationship with the Trinity. It allows space to listen to the Spirit, to feel him move. It allows a deeper understanding of God and time for reflection on the work of Jesus. To pray like a sunbather allows freedom of the mind. They can't pray with a shopping list they prefer freedom to let prayer go wherever their thoughts and their pictures take them. They struggle with details and tasks within prayer that have a specific goal and they find it restrictive or rushing. Jonathan, could you change the slide, please? To overcome those difficulties, though, there are challenges that can help such as reading the Bible in a year, which slowly adds routine and structure. Setting the challenge of praying for one person a day can also stretch their prayer life, as can praying for other people, so that prayer becomes more directional and has more detail. Jonathan's going to share with us some words from uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Oops. Good start. At the home of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, been, had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Those are really familiar words that you will have heard and read many, many times. So you shouldn't be surprised when I say that Mary is the classic sunbather. She represents contemplation, while Martha represents action. Whilst both Mary and Martha show equally valid discipleship, Mary highlights the needs of those whose main source of discipleship is contemplation. Mary chose to do a needful thing, not just for her, but for Jesus. He was looking for that same quiet place too, knowing that the cross was before him and all that was going on inside his head, the tension, his thoughts. He needed to be quiet. He needed to be still and reflect before his father. Jesus wanted no fuss just a simple meal and a time of rest and contemplation away from the crowds. He needed spiritual nourishment. How can he continue to serve if he is not spiritually fed? I want to suggest we can all learn from uh, Mary's example and the prayer style of the sunbather. How How can we disciple others and be part of God's mission if we too haven't taken time to be spiritually fed. Time to do as Mary did, to sit at the feet of her master and listen and reflect. We then come to the sunbather, uh, sorry, the surfer. Unlike the sunbather who sits soaking up the rays, the surfer wants to be in the action. It's only when all the other senses are completely occupied that the surfer finds they can focus on prayer. For many, the concept of sitting quietly with your eyes closed and hands together and waiting to pray or trying to pray is a disaster waiting to happen. Within seconds, concentration has lapsed and we're distracted by things that we need to do or by other issues that have crowded our minds. For some, trying to do something at the same time as trying to pray would be totally distracting. But for the surfer, it is the activity itself that helps them to communicate with God. It enables prayer and to be in the present moment. Jonathan's going to share with us from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. The Transfiguration. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was, a pra- as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. 
Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Thank you. Have you ever noticed that nearly every time we read of Jesus going to spend time in prayer, he leaves the house and seeks a quiet place? On this occasion, though, he took his closest friends with him, went up the mountain to pray. One thing that's important for the surfer is to find God in the world around them. Perhaps Jesus felt closest to his father when he was surrounded by all that he had created. Another aspect of the surfer is seen through Peter. When Peter awoke, his overwhelming desire was to do something, to capture the moment, and he suggested that they make shelters or tents. Peter needed to be active. It was not in his nature to soak in the glory of God. The surfer also focuses on the present. The past is valued only as much as it is of value to the here and now. The future is irrelevant. It is tempting for the surfer to try and ride the wave for as long as possible. In the case of Peter, he wanted to be on that mountaintop with that mountaintop experience of the transfiguration and for it to last forever. However, the spiritual highs, the times when we feel closest to God are often given to equip us to return to, the, to service on the valley floor, equipped to face real spiritual challenges. Clearly, the disciples were not surfers as they were all asleep. We are encouraged to stay awake, to focus, to be attentive. The disciples missed out by being asleep. What might we miss by being spiritually asleep? What do you need to do to focus your attention on Jesus and learn from him? For the surfer, doing something creative can stimulate their prayer time. They experience both the world and God through their senses. Scenery, sounds, sensations, tastes have the power to connect us with God. We need the seen to enable us to experience the unseen. The surfer needs freedom, stimulus and variety. They need to get out there 
whether that is praying whilst walking or having a coffee with a friend. They need to be active when they pray, either by doing or making something. They attach prayer to everyday things, the routines of life, the daily commute, the ironing, the time when you're awake but really can't bring yourself to get out of bed. Jonathan. Surfers struggle, though, with repetition and structure, with being shut away in silence. Too many words, too much thinking, too much time on one topic are all an issue because they're always ready for the next thing. One of the big challenges surfers have is finding rhythms to enable them to pray for others and stopping still long enough in order to receive from God. However, it is important to try, otherwise their prayer life will become unbalanced and unhealthy. Next, we come to the ice cream seller. I don't know if you've ever watched an ice cream seller. They're always asking, what would you like? What flavor would you like? Do you want a flake with that? Would you like sauce? Would you like sprinkles? Have you noticed it's all about other people? What would you like? The ice cream seller prayer style is also about other people, about caring for others, about bringing them before God. And it's not just friends and family, people that they know. It's praying specifically for people that they don't know. For those who prefer this style of prayer, prayer needs to be productive. It's about getting a kingdom job done, about making specific requests to God and seeing the answers. The ice cream seller likes structure to their prayer. They use lists of names, places and events to help them. Many will keep a prayer diary so that they can see answers to prayer and refer back to them. This prayer style needs specific information about people and places to avoid abstract concepts or visions and dreams that the ice cream seller finds really difficult. An ice cream seller will struggle with prayer that has no clear aim. Next slide, please. They will often include some form of Bible study to help them gain greater understanding of their place in the work of building the kingdom and to pray for others and their place within the kingdom. But this can prevent them from praying for themselves and engaging in an inward prayer style. We're going to take a look at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Thank you. Again, familiar words that you will have read and heard many times. Jesus had come back to Capernaum after his live tour, if you like, of the synagogues. And news of his return had spread really quickly. Now, we need to understand something here, that life in Palestine was very public, with doors of houses left open as an invitation for people to come in. And this is what happened here. The door of this house was left open. And so it filled with people eager to listen to Jesus. The house and the pavement outside became jammed with people that the men carrying the paralysed man had no way of getting through. So the roof was the only option. And it was made, as it was made of beams packed with brushwood and clay with a crop of grass over the top, it was easy enough to dig through. Jesus' initial greeting to the paralysed man may seem strange, but to the Jews, sin, suffering and illness are all linked, suggesting that if he was suffering, then it was an outward sign of sin and God's anger. Jesus granted him healing and forgiveness in response to his and the faith of the four men who brought the paralysed man before him, answering their prayers and concerns for their friend. They were anxious for him to receive healing and displayed their faith in an active way by physically bringing him to Jesus. And they refused to give in. They fought against all obstacles. They persevered in getting to Jesus. And these same characteristics are found in the ice cream cellar. They are anxious that people are brought to Jesus no matter what the obstacle might be, that they are healed, that they are helped, that they are filled with the love of God, and they bring them to Jesus through prayer and continue to walk that journey with them, watching for answers and signs of God working in their life. All this shows that we get more than we bargain for if only we are prepared to dig through and find God's presence. But sometimes, just sometimes, we need someone to help us dig, someone to help carry us to that place at the feet of Jesus. We then come to the snorkeler. For the snorkeler, to live is to understand. If the snorkeler doesn't understand something, they will stick with it like a dog with a bone, until they do understand it or dismiss it completely as unimportant. They cannot ever be fobbed off with ill-thought-out ideas as it doesn't help them make sense of the world. 
The snorkeler is task or goal orientated and can run the risk of overlooking other people involved. They set very high standards of themselves and those around them. They are motivated by truth and excellence. Jonathan's going to share uh, some words from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Thank you. Nicodemus, he is a Pharisee and a member of the ruling council. He was a learned man, very knowledgeable, and knowledge and knowing as much as possible would have been really important to him. Time and again, throughout that conversation, Nicodemus asks questions. Each revelation that he receives illuminates him a little bit further. Rather than accepting the minor revelation, Nicodemus presses deeper, seeking to fully understand. After the first question or two, most of us might have given up and decided that such knowledge was far too deep for us mere mortals. Nicodemus, however, the snorkeler, wasn't giving up so easily. He digs deeper, seeking to understand the concept of being born again. 
For the snorkeler reaching the truth is vital. They are prepared to discard what they have previously understood if presented with a new revelation. For many Jews, being told that it was not enough to simply be a Jew by birth would have rocked their foundations and would have, wa- and would have walked away downcast. But for a snorkeler like Nicodemus, the opposite is true. The snorkeler treats life and faith in a very forensic kind of way. There are times when they seem to be experiencing real doubt and they question every little thing that they have ever believed. But this is necessary in order to deal with the new information that they've been given. The search for the truth, whatever the cost, is key. Hence Nicodemus questions as he tries to evaluate and understand what Jesus is telling him. For the snorkeler, prayer is an orderly progression of thought with the emphasis being on the search for truth and justice. Prayer focuses on God as logos, the word of God who is eternal truth, a king divine lawgiver and as judge of all. For the snorkeler, prayer flows naturally at the end of a time of study or after a sermon as they reflect on what they have learnt and work through it with God. Their prayer may include questions, doubt, frustration as they try to understand. Prayer is all about loving God with all their mind. Thomas Aquinas described it as rational grazing on God. I quite like that. Rational grazing on God. Where the sunbather might sit in the presence of God and soak him in, the snorkeler will bring their whole mind into worship, seeking a deeper understanding of God. The next slide. For the extrovert, prayer leads to social action. They pray through situations they face and the scriptures they read, and God leads them to do something about it. For the introvert, it may be, it may be deep intercessory prayer, seeking to understand a world situation and to bring it before God, but both bring transformation. As always, there is much more that I could say about these prayer styles, and I highly recommend to all of you to read the book Personality and Prayer. And if you ever get the chance to hear Lyndall Bywater speak, I encourage you to sit under her ministry because she says it far better than than I can. But the key, the key is prayer is vital to our spiritual lives. Each of us is unique and we need to find the best way for us to connect with God and to build our relationship with him. However, 
Just because we may find our preferred style doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray in these other ways. There is no time like the present for building our prayer <coughs> muscles. It may not come easy, but the rewards are transformational. Firstly, to ourselves, but also to our church and to our communities as well. I want to offer you the space now to reflect on what you have heard. It may be that you have identified yourself with one of those prayer styles this evening and you've gone, yeah, that's me, you've got me to a T. But some of you may be kind of, oh, I'm a bit of that and I'm a bit of that and I'm like, well, I could be that. I want to offer you this space now just to kind of sit with what I've shared with you. You may find it helpful to spend the time reflecting for a few moments, but if you're not the reflective type, then you may want a conversation with the person sat next to you. You may just want to sit with your own thoughts. You may want to write some notes. You may want to doodle, whatever works for you. But I just want to offer you some space now to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that each of us is an individual. We thank you that you have made us all differently. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to understand how we are wired so that our relationship with you can be the best that it can be, that our conversation with you will flow naturally and endlessly. We are so conscious that Paul encourages us to pray constantly. But if that feels like a difficulty, if that feels like a chore, then that becomes something that is a burden, not a privilege and a pleasure. And we pray, Father, that you would help us always to know our conversation with you to be a true privilege and a real pleasure. Open our ears to hear you speak to us. Open our eyes to see the truths of your word and open our hearts to receive all that you are calling us to do and to be in this place at this time for the growth of your kingdom, we pray. Be with us as we go from this place. Bless us and may we be a blessing to those that we meet in the week to come. Amen.